Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, I ask that you be ever-present in our hearts and in our minds. Because our hearts and our minds at this moment are probably miles away from this space. Miles away from your word. Miles away from you. So God, unite them together here for this moment. And may your spirit fuel my words and may it soften our hearts to the good news of Jesus and the cross in whose name we pray, amen. So tomorrow's my birthday. I know, awesome. I know, awesome. I really just love to have everybody wish me happy birthday. So, uh, but no, I, I bring it up because um, I, as I was preparing my time with you guys today, my wife started asking me the question, what do you, guys, what do you want to do on your birthday? And, and to be honest, I really don't know exactly what we're going to do afterwards. If you want to give me any pointers, anything, that would be awesome. Please let me know. But one thing that I'm certain of is that at some point during the day, there will be cake. And there will be candles placed upon that cake. They will be lit, and my family will surround me, and they will sing happy birthday. And there is something so common about that moment, yet actually quite powerful. And it's not the cake. Cake's awesome, right? We can all agree. And it's not my family singing entirely out of tune, though that's kind of fun. You see, it's that moment right after when they say, make a wish. And we think of it as just normal. But I want you to think of yourself in that moment right now. The cake, the candles, the family. And they look at you and say, make a wish. What is the thing that you're going to wish for? What is the thing that you want more than anything? What is the one thing that is upon your mind and consuming you in this very moment? Now, it's easy to deconstruct this moment theologically. Because I'm pretty sure all of us know, hopefully all of us know, otherwise I'm going to give you some very bad news. Um, but cake has no power over creation and cannot grant wishes. I know some of you are texting your moms right now like, how dare you lie to me my whole childhood? But we know that there's still something quite important about that moment. And it has nothing to do with the power of cake. It has everything to do with that sobering moment where we begin to reflect upon who we are, the things that we desire, the things that we want, and we begin to see what is that one thing? that we are lacking in our lives. What do we need? What is not wrapped in a present? What is it that I will not receive today that I long for? No matter who we are, today I want each of us to see that every single person in here has a, has a wish, has a great wish. And it's consuming them. It's consuming your actions. It's consuming your might. And, and it's consuming your very soul. So what is it for you? What's it that's constantly holding on to your mind that you're thinking about constantly that you want more than anything? Where is your lacking that you see? You flunk in a class? Did a boyfriend or girlfriend just break up with you? 
Do you have problems making friends? You don't like the way that you look, overweight or underweight? Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something even bigger than that. Maybe you've been diagnosed with an an illness and that you don't know how it's going to go. Maybe you're mourning the, the death of a loved one, a grandparent, maybe. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're even depressed. Maybe you're worried your family and your friends are going to see how big of a failure that you think that you are. So whether it be a small thing or a grand thing, there is something on our minds that is consuming us. And if we take a look at the hearts and the minds of every person in here, ready to make that wish, we begin to see that the thing that we long for, the thing that we want more than anything, is something temporary. The thing that we crave so much and is constantly on our mind will be here one day and gone another day. Every single one of us. Nobody is free from it. And it's at this moment that we begin to see that these temporary things, they consume our minds and they put a stranglehold upon our imagination, which in turn disables our ability to hope. To hope in something worthwhile. To hope in something that is eternal. Today we get a story in scripture about a man who had a hope just like us. Who had a wish just like us. He was a man who was paralyzed. And we don't know all the ins and outs of how that happened to him and what his life was like. But what we get to see is that he was paralyzed to the point that his four friends had to pick him up and carry him to go places. He probably constantly had to have people help him with every little aspect of his life. Everything from getting dressed in the morning to eating. This was his greatest wish. Walk. It was the greatest wish of his friends and it was the greatest wish of his family to the point that this was this man's identity. Even in scripture, he is not named. He is called the man who was paralyzed. It's who he was. But his friends thought and they heard that there was this great healer in town. He'd been doing miraculous things all throughout the area. He'd been healing people who were hurt and who were physically ill just like their friend. And so they thought, this is it. This is the time where our friend's greatest wish could finally be granted. The thing that he has been hoping for for so long will finally come true if he finally just gets a chance to meet this great, compassionate healer, Jesus. So they load him up on a stretcher, they walk across town, and they come to the house where he is, where he's teaching at, but the house is jam-packed. But these men are so desperate, they do not shout, they do not wait their turn, they go up to the roof and start ripping the roof off the place. That's how bad they wanted this. They think, if we just lower him and just right in front of him, he'll have no option but to deal with them in some capacity. 
But upon being lowered in front of Jesus, there's like this giant hush over the crowd, which is obvious, appropriate. They have no idea what's going on or what's about to happen. He looks upon this man and he says, you're forgiven. The crowd's offended. They're offended because what Jesus is doing in this is he is claiming to be divine because only the divine can forgive sins. We talk about how, yes, we can forgive one another and that is important, but all sins are against God. In the great Psalm, Psalm 51, David, when he um, had an affair with Bathsheba and then killed her husband in a great battle, he says, God against you and you only have I sinned. So Jesus, by absolving this man's sin, that is a claim to be divine. And this doesn't sit well. They're offended. But when we hear a story like this, our offense is a little bit different, isn't it? We say, Jesus, what? This man is paralyzed and you have power over creation. What is this nonsense about sin and forgiveness? Why would you deal with such small potatoes as that when this man cannot walk, he cannot like get around town, he cannot feed himself or dress himself or do anything on his own? You're talking sin and forgiveness? But what we see here is that Jesus teaches us that the greatest illness of this man and the greatest illness in this room is our sin. The greatest lacking and struggle in our lives is not the thing that is temporary. Rather, it is the thing that is eternal. Jesus looks upon this man almost like a good doctor does. When a patient comes into the ER, they do something called triage. They rank the patients in order of importance and most dire situation. Jesus sees this man and he says the most dire situation is not this man's paralysis. It is his sin. Because it is his sin that is separating him from God. It is his sin that is infecting every single aspect of his life. And it's infecting every single aspect of our lives. Sin is the central issue that each of us needs to deal with today. Nobody is free from it. Sin is the one thing that is bringing shame and guilt upon us. It is dividing the relationships that we have and ripping them apart. It is building a great chasm between us and our creator. This is our deal. There is no other deal more important. There is no paper. There is no game. There is no one more event or party that is more important. It is our sin because our sin has eternal implications. So Jesus looks upon him and says, you are forgiven. So what happens during the season of Lent where we look at the upcoming uh, remembrance of Good Friday and the upcoming celebration of Easter, is we not only get a diagnosis of our greatest illness, we get a reorientation of our hope. Because our hope no longer is placed upon temporary things of this world. Our hope is placed on things that are eternal. But we get more than a simple diagnosis 
and a simple reorientation of our hope. Because God looks upon you in this moment where you have been obsessed with the temporary and I have been obsessed with the temporary. Where we are consumed with being our own God. And all of those times where we have been greedy, where we have been lustful, where we have been judging others, where we have been hurting the people around us time and time again, all of those times, Jesus looks upon us in our spiritual paralysis, laying upon a stretcher, unable to come to him, unable to approach the living God because of our sin. He looks upon us not with condemnation. He does not look upon you and wag his finger at judgment. He does not look at you and laugh and say, I told you so. He looks upon you and says, I love you. You're forgiven. You see, God's greatest wish, his greatest desire is to spend eternity with you. You. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son for you. That's it. He gave everything for you so that you would know him, so that you could have a relationship with him, and so that your sins could be forgiven. So that burden and that shame and that division between you and God could be forever healed and mended. So that we are given the gift forgiveness we're given the gift of a real hope and we're given the gift of eternal life through the work of Jesus we pray gracious God we come to you with feeble legs we come to you with an inability to approach but you come to us and you forgive us and you bring us new legs and new life Let us run forth with praise. Let us leap with joy because you have forgiven all of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.